Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. A few weeks back, I noticed uh, in my spiritual life, it just didn't seem to be quite right. And I asked God, I said, Lord, would you please show me if there's any sin in my life that I need to confess? God showed me about four things, and I confessed those things, and uh, that fellowship was restored. And, you know, I'm so grateful. 1 John 1, 9 is true. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As God's children, we always have that promise. Um, But there are those times where we need to draw near to the Lord and pursue repentance in our lives. And we've talked about repentance. Repentance is that making a choice to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Christ. And you make that when you come to faith in Christ. That's one of the expressions of your faith in Christ is repentance. But also, it's something that you do each day as you uh, take up your cross, as Jesus called it. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's that choice to die to my own way, to follow Christ. And and with each day to say, Lord, this is your day. I choose to follow you. I choose to obey you in this day. Uh, And we need that. Why? Because you cannot live the abundant life without repentance. Uh, You also can't receive salvation without repentance. And so it's a very important part of our walk with God. Uh, I once heard this fellow talk about having a spirit of repentance in his church and I thought that was an interesting idea an interesting thought because there's just this attitude of repentance in his congregation I think that ought to be the attitude of every Christian heart to have a heart of repentance toward God so we need to pursue that in our life and there's some ways that we can pursue that found right here in Luke chapter 18 and we can pray for these things in our lives So that God will help us to pursue repentance. Look at verse 9 of Luke chapter 18. The title of my message is Pursuing Repentance. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple complex to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee took his stand and was praying like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and said, God, turn your wrath from me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Some uh, people were bringing infants to him so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome The kingdom, like a little child, will never enter it. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, 
God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. I have kept all these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told, told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Then who can be saved? He replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Pursuing repentance. How do we pursue repentance? There are several things we can pray for in our lives. The first thing is to pray for a convicted heart. A convicted heart. Verse 13, the tax collector, unlike the Pharisee, he was proud. He's basically praying to himself. He's having a self-praise party. Uh, the, the publican, the tax collector, would not even lift his eyes toward heaven. That's how much conviction he was under. That's how much a sense of his sin that he had. He saw himself as broken. He saw himself as sinful. And, and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the word for mercy actually means, God, be propitiated for me. Be, let your wrath be satisfied because I am a great sinner and he saw that he deserved God's wrath. He saw that he deserved God's justice. And so he prayed for mercy. He had a sense of conviction in his heart. Now, it is not comfortable to be convicted. Have you ever had one of your family members confront you about something? Uh, that's not comfortable, is it? None of us likes to be confronted. But sometimes it's healthy. Uh, there have been times that... Uh, uh, my wife has confronted me, or even my kids have confronted me, or my parents have confronted me. Uh, and oftentimes, they're exactly right. And, I, and I've had to acknowledge that I was, I was sinning. I wasn't acting the way I should. And so uh, I, I would confess that to them, but I also confess that to God. And, and say, Lord, I sinned when I, and I fill in the blank. So, so confrontation can be a good thing. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, it's a, it's a gentle conviction and a pointing out of our sin in our lives. Now, the Holy Spirit points out our sin so that we can confess it and repent of it. And so we confess that sin to God, and we say, Lord, I sinned when I, and you fill in the blank. And then you can pray, God, change my heart. God, help me turn from this. Fill me with your spirit so that I can live this righteous life that you want to live and, and do this through me, Holy Spirit. And so God then comes alongside you and helps you in that. But it's so important to have that conviction in your life. Now, sometimes you don't necessarily need the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you know when you've sinned, right? Sometimes we know when we fail and we can just immediately right there confess that sin to God and ask him to change us on the inside. But from time to time, you need to pray a prayer something like this, Lord... Uh, would you show me if there's anything in my life that's displeasing to you? And then uh, take some moments, maybe just a moments of silence. It's amazing. when I, I usually do that when I sense I'm not quite as close to the Lord as, as I would like to be. 
And, uh, and, and it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will bring things to mind and, and point those out in your life. Uh, sometimes after, after I pray that prayer, I'll, I'll open the Word of God. I, I feel led to go to the Scripture. As I read the Scripture, God begins to point things out in my life. But conviction is so important because unless you're convicted, can, you can't repent, right? Because you've got to know something's wrong to be able to repent of the something that's wrong. So that's the first thing you need to pray for. Pray for a convicted heart. By the way, that's a great thing to pray for the church. Pray, God, let, let us be convicted of our sin as a church so that we can repent of those sins and follow after you with all that we are. Um, it's so important to repentance to have a convicted heart. So pray for a convicted heart. Secondly, pray for a genuine humility. Pray for a genuine humility. Verse 14. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified. He's talking about the tax collector. What does it mean to be justified? It means to be acquitted. To be God to say, not guilty. How can he do that? Only through the blood of Christ. God takes a guilty sinner and he can... He, justifies him he acquits him and says not guilty why because the righteousness of Christ when that person puts their trust in Christ the righteousness of Christ his perfect life his perfect fulfillment of the law is credited to that sinful person so God says Roger you are a sinner but I choose because of the work of Christ I choose to say of you, you have the righteousness of Christ. It's been given to you based on what Jesus did at Calvary. And, of course, Christ took our punishment upon himself and satisfied God's justice. So we are not guilty. Isn't that a wonderful thought? David says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Uh, covered by the blood of Jesus. He says, this one went to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus says, if you want to be exalted, if you want to find the grace of God, you, it begins with humility. No person comes to Christ with a puffed out chest and a proud and haughty look. You just can't. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to admit that you need Christ. And there's a humility. Did, did you know that the Christian life begins with dependence and is sustained with dependence upon God throughout our lives? One scripture says we are kept by the power of God through faith. Did you know you couldn't save yourselves and you can't keep yourself saved and you can't live for Christ in the way that he desires without his help? We are dependent upon Jesus Christ. We're dependent upon God uh, for that righteous lifestyle to come. And so we have to come to God with a heart of humility and admit where we are. To admit that, it, isn't it funny, that the Pharisee, he is so focused on his outward goodness that he fails to see the need of his sinful heart. There's a lot of people like that. I, I mentioned that last week. I shared a story with you about the guy that said, I've never done these things. I've never sinned. 
and I knew that I should have asked him, well, do you ever, have you ever told a lie? You know, because uh, every single person who's lived has sinned. And God doesn't look at the outer appearance. And God is not impressed with what impresses other people. God looks to the heart. And the Bible says that all of us have a bent towards sin. That our righteousness, our outward acts of righteousness in in every attempt that we make, even at our best, is as filthy rags to God. Because he sees the true condition of who we are. And so we need to come to God with humility. And that, by the way, needs to be the attitude of our hearts in following Christ. Um, You remember Moses in the Old Testament? Moses, the Bible says, was the most humble man on the face of the earth. We found that, like the scripture says, God exalts those who were humble. God exalted Moses, didn't he? God set him up, and, and, and everybody else talked with God from a distance. Moses spoke to God face to face in the Shekinah glory cloud there at the tabernacle. Moses had a special relationship with God because he came with a humble heart. You'll never have close fellowship with God if you come in your pride. You've got to humble yourself before God. Um, the scripture talks about that in many places. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Why did Jesus tell them that? So that they would depend upon him. He says, you need to abide in me, right? And then you'll bear fruit. It's not in your own strength, it's in my strength that you bear fruit. It's not in your own strength that you live a righteous life. You know, there so many people try to work up this right, well, I'm just going to willpower it and gut it, and I'm going to try my best, and listen, I'm going to tell you something, your best will fail every time. But when you hook yourself up to the vine, and you have the power of Christ flowing through your life, the power of the Holy Spirit, then God will live that righteous life through you. It, it begins and, and, and ends with him. Paul said this, I've learned whatever circumstances I find myself in, I've learned to be content, but also I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, uh, Christ's power is available and effective in everything that you're going to face in life. That's why we need to come to him with with humility because God lifts us up when we come to him in humility. If you struggle with that sin in your life, the sin of pride, it's a hard attitude. Um, one great way to do it is quote John 15, 5, apart from me you can do nothing. Just quote it. Say it out loud if you're by yourself. <laughs> it's a good thing. It'll check you real fast. Um, and, and then um, quote Philippians 4, 13, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the the attitude of dependence that we need to have, and the attitude of humility in following Christ. So pray for that genuineness and humility because uh, it is so key to your Christian life. Without humility, you will not have the power of God on your life. So uh, pursuing repentance, what do you need to ask for? A convicted heart, a genuine humility. Thirdly, a simple trust, a simple trust trust. Look at verse verse, uh, 16. Jesus, however, invited them, let the little children come to me. 
Now, first he, he mentions that some of the parents were bringing, actually bringing babies to Christ for, for Christ to touch them and pray over them. But apparently the little children were coming on their own as well. And the, the disciples were rebuking saying, hey, Jesus doesn't have time for you. But Jesus said, I want to teach you something. Uh, apostles, I want you to learn something. Uh, unless a person comes like a little child, they can't enter the kingdom of God. Because a little child has just a simple trust. There's an openness and a simple trust that God will do what he says he will do. You heard about the, the little boy. Uh, the church was praying for rain. They'd had a big drought, and, and uh, they'd prayed for rain. And that, they prayed that rain would come that next night. And, and uh, the little boy came, and it was not raining at all. But the little boy came, and he was wearing a raincoat. And he was wearing uh, his... His, uh, what do you call those things, the rain shoes, uh, the galoshes or something. Uh, and, and he had his umbrella. And people said, well, why in the world are you wearing that stuff? He said, well, we prayed to God for rain. And I expected God would answer. And so he came and, and uh, I, heard that story, I, I heard that story somewhere. God sent the rain. I want to tell you something. That little childlike faith, that simple trust in God is what it takes to walk with him with an attitude of repentance. Because uh, when you trust in God, you're willing to do what he says. Do you know, there's a constant battle in our heart. Who are we going to trust? Many people say, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. That's a part of our culture, isn't it? Well, I want to tell you something. It'd be very valuable to have somebody tell you what to do when you jump out of an airplane. They tell you to pull the cord. That'd be valuable to know, wouldn't it? It'd be very valuable to know when you're learning how to drive a car. Somebody tells you when you want to stop, put your foot on the brake. You know, we need instruction in our life, and we especially need instruction when it comes to the things of God. If you're a child of God, you look at, you look at God's uh, directions for us and his commands for us as something that is, is a delight of your heart to do because you love God. And you recognize that God has perfect wisdom. And he knows perfectly what to do in our lives. He knows how we need to live. And he knows what we need to do. And so we receive those things in an attitude of simple trust. And we say, yes, Lord. Do you know how faith is expressed in Scripture? It's expressed in obedience. And so none of us are perfectly obedient, but... Uh, the Bible gives us example after example of people who trusted God. You remember what God told Abraham? He said, go to a, a distant land, and I'll make you into a great nation, and so forth. Abraham trusted God, so what did he do? And it said, and so he went. <laughs> That's the expression of his faith in God. And whenever you look at faith in Scripture, it is expressed in obedience. People say, well, I trust God. Are you willing to obey him? That's the measure of your faith. The measure of your faith is how much you're willing to follow God with a surrendered heart. So you've got to come in that simple trust. Isn't it a wonderful thing that the gospel is simple? Uh, a little child can understand it. Jesus died for our sin as our substitute and uh, took our place for us, rose again. And if we choose to turn to him and follow him and receive that gift of forgiveness... 
and God will save us and give us eternal life. Um, So simple and yet so profound. A little child can receive it. Can I tell you something? Do you believe the promise of God that when you surrender your life, that God will bring his blessing upon you? I struggled. You know, when I heard uh, a message, I've shared this with you before, when when I was, uh, uh, God was dealing with me about becoming a Christian. I heard a message called religion versus repentance, and I realized that I was religious, but I had never surrendered my heart to Christ. And I began to wrestle. For about a year, I wrestled with it because I thought, well, if I really give in to Jesus, I'm going to have to give up this, or I'm going I'm to have to stop doing that, or what's somebody going to think of me if I walk that aisle? And I had all these excuses, and, and, and in my heart, I just really wasn't ready to trust Christ with my life. But there came the moment, about a year later, where I went to the altar and I said, Lord, help me repent. I know I need to. Help me to repent. And God changed my heart and helped me to, re- to be able to repent. I turned from my sin. And you know what I found? My life began that day. You see, Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake... We'll find it. And so you come with this simple trust in God uh, just to, to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I, I don't know what all that means, but, but I'm saying to you, I'm surrendered to your purpose. I'm surrendered to your plan. And where you lead, I will follow. It's a decision of trust. So pray for a simple trust in your life. Pray that God will fill you with his spirit, that he'll trust through you. Uh, pray that God, uh, through Christ, will sustain your faith. You know, isn't it great to know that we don't have to hold on to our faith by ourselves? Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. That means he got it started. He sent his spirit to convict us. He he worked in our lives through the power of his word. He wooed us to himself by sending his spirit. And we we put our trust in Christ. But he sustains it all the way through. But pray that God will help you to live in the fullness of that simple trust in God. So that you can have an attitude of repentance in your life. So important. Pursuing repentance. what What are some things we can ask God for? A convicted heart. A genuine humility. A simple trust. And finally, an open hand. An open hand. The rich young ruler comes, and he's kind of missed the point anyway because he doesn't recognize his sin. But he's come, he says, what must I do to inherit life, eternal life? Somebody said, uh, religion is due, Christianity is done. Christ did it all for us. He lived the perfect life I couldn't live. He died the death that satisfied God's justice that I couldn't satisfy. Uh, Jesus did what I couldn't do. It's done. It's not due. Jesus kind of points this out to him. He says, who's good except God alone? You see, Jesus says, you've heard the commandments, and he goes through and, and mentions those commandments to him. He says, these I've kept from my youth. Now, what happened in his youth? I don't know. He, he maybe sinned in his youth. But, uh, but Jesus looked in his heart. He saw in his heart that there was a heart of idolatry. 
He put his money before God. So Jesus says, one thing you lack, sell everything that you have and give to the poor. And then come follow me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You need to have an open hand with God. I know I'm meddling here, aren't I? You know, I believe the Bible teaches you should give 10% of your income to God. But if you're hung up on that, you say the New Testament doesn't talk about tithe. Well, let me tell you this. Right here, Jesus told the man, give everything you have. He's asking him to open his hand. How much of your money belongs to God? All of it. All of it. So if you're hung up on the whole word tithe, well then just ask God. God, what would you have me to give? But be prepared to open your hand because he may ask you for 20% or 30%. But your hand needs to be open. Jesus said you can't serve God in money. Why does Jesus use money here as an example? There's a lot of things he could have used. There's a lot of things people put before God, right? Why did Jesus use money? Because Jesus knew that money is where the rubber hits the road. What do people get mad about more than anything else? Preachers talking about money. How many lost people have I heard? Well, all the church ever asked for is money. Listen, I want to tell you something. God doesn't need your money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Your giving is not about what we need. Your giving is about what you need. You can't have a repentant heart toward God. You can't have a close relationship with God. You can't live in the power of the Spirit. You can't fulfill the potential that God has designed you to fill when your hand is closed. Some people pitch those pennies so tightly that Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't pull it out of their hand. Open that hand up toward God. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I do believe that God blesses you financially when you give. I was reading in my quiet time in Deuteronomy where God was instructing them and giving is Deuteronomy chapter 14 and he said you'll learn to fear God if you give. He says God will bless you in your work if you give. And and he's he's giving them these different these different things and he says look I'm going to tell you this giving is about what God wants to do in your life. People don't get that. Many times people think, well, they're just trying to get my money. But can I tell you something? It's about your walk with God. That's what it's about. And when you open that hand up toward God, that's when true repentance can take place. You see, the rich man went away sad. He was unwilling to open his hand. He wanted to follow God, but not that badly. So he turned and he walked on his way. And as far as we know, 
died without Christ. Isn't that sad? Listen, what is it that God wants you to open your hand? It could be your money. Maybe God wants you to take the first step and begin to tithe in your life. Say, you know, I've never, I've never tithed before. I'm, gonna, I'm going to begin to give 10% of my income to God. Or the alternative, say, Lord, what would you have me give? I think we really should do that anyway. Jesus said that, uh, uh, he talks about uh, uh, giving, but, he, but then Malachi uh, says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't just the, the, that minimum requirement, but it was, he says, the, the part over that that I want you to give, you, you've robbed me of that. Jesus said, open your hand. Opening your hand might mean not necessarily, I mean, it definitely would include giving to the church, but it might mean opening your hand towards someone else who's in need. It could mean opening your hand to something else in your life. Maybe your job has become a God to you. Listen, I'm going to tell you, some of us Christians are going to be tested in this culture that has begun to, to attack Christian values and we are under incredible pressure in the marketplace. Are we going to stand up for God and put him first in our lives? Or are we going to cave to the pressure of this world? It may mean opening my hand may mean saying, okay, I cannot do this in my professional life because I'm a Christian. Opening your hand may be saying, God saying, you're spending too much time in this activity. You need to set aside time for me. It may mean turning off the television set, or in today's world, turning off the computer or the cell phone and saying, I'm going to spend some time, set some time aside for God on a regular basis. Is your hand open toward God? That's one thing you need to pray for in your life. Lord, keep my hand open. It's so easy. You know what happens sometimes? God begins to bless us. We're living for Christ. We come to Christ. We begin to live for Christ. God begins to bless us. And what do we do? We start treasuring the blessings more than we treasure him. It's a dangerous place to be. Open that hand and ask God to give you that surrendered heart toward what he wants you to do. Um, pursuing repentance, what should you ask for? A convicted heart, a genuine humility, a simple trust, and an open hand. I want to tell you something. As you repent... Not only will God justify you if you're lost. You don't know Christ. He'll justify you. He'll, he'll acquit you. He'll say, innocent across your life. But as a Christian, God will open up that fellowship and communion with him that is the sweetest thing in this world. You know, how many, th how many, how many books are out there on how to live a happy life? and joyful life. The world is seeking that. You know why they don't find it? They're unwilling to surrender to God. The path to joy, not perfect circumstances, but joy in your life is surrender to God. Will you surrender to Him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us directions on how to pursue repentance in our lives. Help us, Father, to have
a convicted heart and a, a humble heart and a simple trust in you and an open hand to give or to give up whatever it is that you lay upon our hearts so that we can follow you and fulfill your plan for our lives. Uh, Father, help us not to be like the rich young ruler who goes his way.